My name is Fred. I am the pastor here at Quicksilver Church. I blanked out for a second. I was going to call it by a different name. Um, we are doing a series on evangelism about uh, dialogue, about being able to have spiritual conversations. And this is the third week of that. On our, in our first week, which was two weeks ago, we talked about evangelism or the idea of the, the behavior of having spiritual conversations as an identity. It's who we are. Um, and then last week, uh, we talked about listening. And that was from my parents' garage due to, the power, due to a power outage we faced. Um, and then another power outage throughout the week as they were replacing the neighborhood, our neighborhood transformer. And so we're kind of, we're in a crazy, we're in a crazy period of time. Um, and one of the things we're going to be addressing today is, well, in this crazy period of time, God can do some amazing things. And we're going to be talking about that. So the first week was about um, evangelism as identity. Last week was about this act of listening. And the goal of what we're trying to do in service is to be able to equip you to have conversations about faith, spiritual conversations. And today's, uh, the title of today's message is Wondering, the, the act of wondering, and really it's the act of um, asking questions. And it's based off a book called God's Space by Doug Pollock, who, was, who, who is on staff with Athletes in Action. It's a ministry of Campus Crusade for Christ, now known as, now known as Crew. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at this. We're going to look at the whole act of having spiritual conversations. Actually, the book God's Space is called Where Spiritual Conversations Happen Naturally. Okay, Where Spiritual Conversations Happen Naturally. And we're going to talk about this, this act of wondering. And so the first thing I'm going to talk about is how the Spirit guides us toward the unexpected. And I'm going to read you the passage we're going through today. That's from Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. Many of you will be familiar with it. Um, yep. Thanks, James. I'm going to put it up there. We're going to put it up there. I'm going to read this. <clears throat> and this is from the, the book of Acts, which is a pretty often preached book. Um, in the beginning of our series, we talk from the book of Luke. Um, Luke is also the author of the book of Acts, which is about the Acts of the Holy Spirit and the, the spread of the gospel in the first century church. And this is Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. Okay, I'm going to read 26 through 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was like this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told them the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, 
And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. That's our reading. This is from the, again from the book of Acts. And if you take up in the beginning of the chapter, in the beginning of uh, chapter 8, there's a tremendous persecution due to a man named Saul, who eventually um, becomes renamed to the Apostle Paul. But before Saul becomes a follower of Jesus, um, he, is, uh, he orders the execution of Stephen. Um, and then there's a massive persecution that happens in Jerusalem, and these Jewish followers of Jesus get spread out. And as they are spreading out, um, they begin to preach the gospel. And what it tells us just earlier in this passage is that Philip begins to preach in Samaria. Um, and then there's some other apostles, um, these, that means sent ones, Peter and John, who lay, on, lay their hands on people to receive the Holy Spirit. And then there's this incident with Simon the sorcerer. So there's incredibly exciting things to ha that are happening in this time. And oftentimes the, the controversy we have as this um, text is preached is, can those things happen today? Do those things happen today? And I think the answer is largely yes, absolutely. Absolutely those things can happen today because the Spirit of God is still moving. But one thing I would say is that the Spirit of God does not often move in the same way twice. Okay, so if the Spirit, and this is my first point, the Spirit guides to the unexpected. Okay, the Spirit guides to the unexpected. The Spirit guides towards the unexpected. So <clears throat> when you think about the unexpected, if God works one way in the past, it doesn't necessarily mean he will work exactly the same way in the future. And so the first thing I want you to notice, and, and I want to ask, actually ask this question, and I'm going to open it up. I, I, don't, I don't think we often do this, um, but there are three characters in this story. Okay? This is a narrative, and there are three characters. One is Philip. The other is the Ethiopian eunuch. Who is the third character? Someone, you can just say it, or you can put it over the chat. Holy Spirit. Thanks, Josh. Yeah, it is the Holy Spirit. And he actually starts, well, it's, it's spirit or angel of the Lord, right? You have both spirit, you have angel of the Lord. Um, and the text starts with what the angel, this verse 26 starts with the, what the angel of the Lord says to Philip. And he has him say, he says, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And then uh, actually, in, there's, you can actually make a list of the different things. The Spirit gives the command. The Spirit also tells Philip to go to that chariot. And then it kind of says the Spirit took Philip away toward the end, right? So at least three different activities the Spirit does. And then Philip, right, he obeys. He runs to the chariot. He stays near. He asks a question, and that question's unsolicited. He explains the scripture, explains the good news, and then he baptizes. He puts into water um, the, the Ethiopian eunuch. And then the Ethiopian, he goes to Jerusalem to worship. He reads Isaiah. He asks questions. He asks to get baptized, and he gets baptized, right? So you have those, those different activities that are happening from each of those characters. And I just want to give that kind of as an overview of what's happening. And so what are the different aspects here that are unexpected? The first thing is that based on verse 25, we see that there's a, there is a work of God. There is something incredible happening um, in Samaria, which is the northern part of, of Israel. And yet the angel tells Philip to go south, to go in the opposite direction of where Philip has been preaching the gospel. 
and where there's been some exciting work happening and where he could conceivably stay and continue to do follow-up and continue to preach the gospel. So the first aspect to notice here is that there is uh, something unexpected. There's an unexpected timing, okay? And I think that's important because oftentimes when we, uh, when we, we, when we want to have spiritual conversations, it often feels like the worst possible time. I know for me, um, especially having spiritual conversations with my kids um, when they're younger, um, it would always happen during bedtime, almost always. They, we are putting them to bed and they're doing everything they can to avoid going to bed and they're starting to be relaxed and we go through their whole bedtime ritual and they start asking me questions or asking Judy questions about, um, does, is heaven real? Is Uncle Jason going to heaven? Um, what about suffering? Um, you know what I mean? All these different questions. And it's always difficult to tell whether that question is sincere, you know, how sincere that question is, or is it just a way to delay going to bed or is there an actual curiosity? And I, I would say there's probably some of both. Um, but oftentimes for Judy and I, for Judy and me, we would just be um, so tired and give one word answers and say we talk about it in the morning. Um, but I just want you to notice that it is often the unlikeliest times that God provides, and, and Doug, Doug Pollock calls this, provides this God space, this unexpected timing. And it's often when we least feel like it. And I would, I would say, especially now when we are faced with all kinds of adversity, whether economic, um, whether fires, um, whether a pandemic, there is a spiritual openness to people that is unprecedented. And yet your willingness to have them is probably low because of everything that's going on. And yet we notice Philip in this case obeys, even with the unexpected timing. Second, second thing that's unexpected, there's three things. There's, it's an unexpected place. Verse 26, it's from Jerusalem to Gaza. It's a remote area. It's south, it's south of Israel. And he even says, the angel says, it's a desert road. It's a, it's a, it's a wilderness place. Okay? Um, it's isolated. There aren't people, there are no people there. At least we, you think. Um, so there's an unexpected aspect to it. The third thing is that this is an unexpected person who's a member of an unexpected group. He's an Ethiopian eunuch. First of all, that means he's a high, he, it tells you, the text tells you, and it's quite, quite detailed about everything about him except for his name. He's a high-ranking government official. Candace is the title of the queen of Ethiopia. He's in charge of the treasury, you know, secretary of the treasurer, the chief financial officer of Ethiopia. He's likely well-educated because he can read, which most people at the time could not. And then third and fourth, I'm going to use two anachronistic terms. He is black and he's a member of the sexual minority. Okay, why do I say he's black? Race is not a category people in the ancient Near East would have used to describe someone. And yet he is from Ethiopia, so he's likely black in his skin tone. Um, and in addition, the, the, the fourth part, those who were in government service were often castrated in order to help them be able to have full focus and dedication to government service. So he is missing a body part that makes him fully male. And that's why I call him a sexual minority. And within the Old Testament, within the Hebrew scriptures, he would not have been qualified um, to be a priest because he was missing um, a body part. Um, and so this man doesn't belong in many ways. He's a foreigner. Um, he is a member of a sexual minority. They're in a desert place. And yet this man, the angel of the Lord, the spirit says, you go to him. Go over and join this chariot. He's very, the spirit of God is very specific. And the first message of the series, we talked about evangelism as an identity. That when you are a follower of Jesus, sharing about your faith is who you are. 
And the first aspect of that that I want to repeat is that you are sent. You are being sent. Jesus sends out his disciples. He sends out his apostles. Even uh, Philip here in this circumstance is being sent. So you are being sent today. And where are you being sent to? At the very least, you're being sent to where you are, <laughs> to where you are sitting right now. You are sent to that location. You are sent to your neighbors, the one whom you live in geographic proximity to. You are sent to the people in your household. If you have a job, you are sent to your coworkers. If you are in school, you are sent to your classmates. You don't have to look that far to see who are you are being sent to. But the key is that you are on mission, right? That you, are, you have been given a task, you have been given a, a mission to be able to share the good news to those around you. And there is an unexpected nature to that. And let's face it, everything about 2020 has been unexpected. <laughs> and one of the things that I wanna do today is have you know, five minutes of sharing toward the end of our service today to give, according to the smallness of my faith, some time for the unexpected, some time for us to give some mutual encouragement to each other. So would you begin thinking now, would you begin listening to the Spirit of God speak to you what words you might say to encourage us? And I want to ask you also to be alert to those unexpected conversations. This past week, like I said, we had two 24-hour two outages. Um, and on Tuesday night, as they were replacing the transformer on the front yard of our house, it was incredibly loud. There were a bunch of trucks. Um, but every neighbor, most of our, a lot of our neighbors were outside. Um, looking at what was happening because all the power was out. And I talked to one of our neighbors, Nick, and I just had a brief conversation with him. Um, and I know there's an openness to him because there's, there's, there's nothing else to do. I mean, he can't watch Netflix. There's, there's no distractions right now except this drain, drilling noise outside of our house. And we did not have a deep conversation. We didn't, have, we didn't even have a spiritual, we didn't have a spiritual conversation. Um, and yet I recognize there's some opportunity to begin to have one because there's an openness right now to making sense of what this year is about. We are all trying to make sense of what all the suffering is happening. And so there's tremendous opportunities, even in the midst of a power outage in a pandemic during a heat wave, um, for us to have spiritual conversations. And they may not happen at the most expected time. We, didn't, we had maybe a five minute conversation, but I'm looking forward to more. Um, so would you allow the Spirit of God to guide you towards the unexpected? <clears throat> Second, the Spirit gives freedom to wonder. Okay, the title of this message is about wondering. The Spirit gives freedom to wonder. The Spirit always directs us towards people. The Spirit tells Philip, go over and join this chariot. And notice whenever the Spirit of God tells something, um, even when it's to go away from people, it's temporary. Because the Spirit of God always nudges us closer to people. Even when it does so in unexpected ways, He always nudges us closer to other people. And to be real, it is very difficult to be close to people right now in many ways. <clears throat> and what I want to say is in this act of giving, getting closer to people, it always begins with listening. And that's what I talked about last week. Um, the Spirit gives freedom to wonder, but the act of wondering begins with listening. And what I mentioned was that listening is both with the eyes and with the ears. And you'll notice as Philip gets close to the Ethiopian who was reading in the chariot, he overhears what he's reading. 
And that takes probably some supernatural listening skills because I'm imagining it was quite loud. He had to get very, very close. And he was probably watching the Ethiopian as well. And so before Philip even asks the question, he is listening and he is observing with what, what is going on um, with the person that he has been sent to, with the chariot that's being sent to. <clears throat> and so um, the Spirit of God doesn't actually tell Philip to ask a question. Philip decides to do that. Now, I'm, I'm sure it was with the prompting of the Spirit. It doesn't need to mention that. And yet there is a freedom that we are given. Once you notice what's happening, wonder out loud to ask a question, okay? And it all starts with a question. Um, <clears throat> and the question is, do you understand what you are reading? And I want you to hear it in a different way. Doug Pollock has a whole chapter on this in his book, God Space. He says, um, he, you just preface the question with, I wonder. And so if, if Doug were, were here, he might say, you, you might ask, I wonder if you understand what you are reading. Okay, I wonder if you understand what you are reading. And I think so many things can start when you begin with a wondering question, when you start with a question of wonder, okay? Um, and so let me give some examples. Let me give you some examples of wondering questions, okay? And um, James, I'm gonna ask you to put up that slide. Here are some examples of questions of wondering. Now, I want you to notice some, actually I'll, I'll read them and then I'll, I'll, then I'll ask you what you notice. <clears throat> so here are some ways you can, you can wonder. That's an interesting perspective. I'm wondering how you arrived at that conclusion. If I could arrange for you to speak at my church about your impression of Christians, I'm wondering what you would say. I'm wondering what role religion has played in your life. I'm wondering why the topic of God seems to stir up such strong emotions in you. I've thought long and hard about our last conversation. Here's what I'm still wondering about, fill in the blank. Okay, notice, uh, you can stop, share. Notice what all these things have in common. They all presume that you've already been having a conversation. They all presume that you have made some ob observations and that you are listening to the other person. These are not opening lines, okay? These are not lines you open with. Now, I know Ron shared a story about how he kind of did an opening line with that um, uh, at a cafe I think he goes to. But these are generally not questions that you want to open with. These are questions that you... Um, and I, I get the, uh, that Philip opens with them, but he notices first, right? He notices first what's going on, and then he asks the question. If you're going to say you have an interesting perspective, you, they should, that person should have shared a perspective first, <laughs> right? And, and so that's the idea. If you want more wondering questions, let me give you some more. Um, Anthony's going to share a link over the chat, and he'll send you more examples. There's 99 of these questions. I've listed maybe 20 of them um, that are particular. They're about world events. They're about future. They're about um, control. Events that I think would be particularly engaging for this time. Um, that's, that's over the chat. You can take a look at those <clears throat> in the link. Okay. Um, now, some of you might be thinking, it sounds weird to start. I don't ask questions with I wonder. That sounds, that sounds strange. I actually don't either. I love asking questions. I rarely say, hey, I wonder, I wonder what you think about life right now. I, I don't do that. I think what I like to do, what, what I, what's more important to me about the word wonder is the tone that you communicate with. Okay. What is far more important than using the term I wonder is the tone of curiosity and gentleness. Okay, so what I'd encourage you as you practice using these questions, more important than the words that you use is the tone that you use. Okay, and that tone is curiosity, not disagreement, not antagonism, um, but this, this, curi this actual curiosity you have um, about the other person. 
And I believe Philip, as he talked to the Ethiopian eunuch, had a genuine curiosity and desire. Do you understand what you're reading? Because I would, and, and the implied was, I'd love to explain it to you. I would love to explain because I'm excited about what's happening right now. And I hope that you can convey with your questions an excitement about what you are asking about. Okay, an excitement and a curiosity. Okay, and a couple things, a um, couple things that, that go with this too. Um, you, you may be wondering, there's some counter arguments. One is, uh, what if I'm an introvert? You know, what if asking questions is difficult? What if starting conversations with people is, is challenging? I think people tend to um, exist on this kind of spectrum versus with timidity on one side and being pushy on the other. And I, in my sense is people that are more timid, people that tend to be more introverted, are very concerned about being viewed as pushy. And yet there is kind of this, this large medium, this area in the middle where it's more about uh, where this is kind of being bold and patient, right? Patient and bold. And it really depends on the context. And so I'd encourage you, if you're about the 60% of people that, more, that tend more towards the timid side, could I encourage you to take some steps to, be, to grow closer to being bold, and yet that's not the same thing as pushy. Okay, oftentimes our um, memory or experience of people who have had spiritual conversations is definitely on the pushy side, whether it's with Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses or, another, or, or some uh, pushy evangelical. What I encourage you, especially if, you're, if you have that as part of your experience, would you take a step towards being bold? Okay, take a step towards being bold. Um, and here's one hint about to be, to be able to do that. Um, Jesus does something masterful in John chapter 4 when he talks to the woman at the well. Um, he doesn't just uh, let her ask for help. He actually starts the conversation by asking the Samaritan woman for help. He asks her for a drink. And so one great way to start a conversation, I think it's difficult for a lot of us, is to ask for help. Okay? Um, it's been great within our neighborhood even to, to go to our neighbors and ask for help. We've had great conversations. I mean, especially for me, um, asking to borrow weights has led to some very gym weights has been led to good conversations. Okay, second thing, counter argument is what if I fundamentally disagree with what this person is saying? Okay, what if you have a disagreement with what the person shared? Um, early in the same chapter, chapter eight, Simon the sorcerer wants to bribe, um, I think Peter and John with, uh, with money so that he can have the gift of the spirit and lay hands on people and give the spirit. Um, and they disagree and there's a rebuke. There is a time and place to disagree, okay? Um, but I would encourage you, if your tendency is to want to disagree or correct someone, especially if it's someone you don't know well, could I encourage you to express curiosity for how that person shaped his or her opinion? Because oftentimes we are disagreeing with someone's stance, and I encourage you in line with this wondering aspect to ask that person, how did you come up with those beliefs? I'm wondering how you came up with those beliefs. I think that's how Doug would do it. Okay, so that's about wondering questions. Um, the Spirit of God gives freedom to wonder. My last point, the Spirit of God reveals the mystery of Christ. And so when you look at, um, towards the end of this um, section, um, this conversation, uh, the eunuch invites Philip to sit down. And then he reads this passage of Scripture. And it is from Isaiah. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And so the explanation of this is not easy um, because this is, from, this, is a, this is a passage from the Hebrew scriptures. It's from the Old Testament. And what 
Philip's role here is to give a fuller understanding and to demonstrate how the sheep being led to slaughter represents Jesus, how Jesus and his self-sacrificing love became a sacrifice for all of our sin, all the evil behavior that we do against God, and endure death, the death that our evil behavior warranted. He took on that punishment for himself. And there is in, in further good news to this, that it is true his life was taken from the earth, but also given back. And that's what Christians call the resurrection. God gave Jesus back to life after death so that there is justice in the resurrection. And not only is evil addressed by his death, but good was also promoted. And so that is the good news that Philip was sharing to this eunuch. And it doesn't actually even say what Philip said to the eunuch. <laughs> That's not the emphasis of this passage. The emphasis is that the Spirit was working behind the scenes to prepare this conversation. And the Spirit uses God's people to give a fuller understanding. In fact, chapter 8 is all about the Spirit of God fully explaining who Jesus, who the, what the mystery of Christ is. And so let me, um, let me close with this. You may experience some trepidation. I hope you experience trepidation and fear around having, wondering, asking wondering questions about God to other people, asking um, questions about people's spiritual background. I hope you feel some nervousness about it. And my, my hope is that in the midst of that confusion, in the midst of, um, of some unbelief and even pessimism about how God can work, would you come to God with your wondering questions? Would you give your wondering questions to the Holy Spirit? Would you, would you say to the Holy Spirit, I wonder what you can do to today. I wonder if you can actually speak to me. I wonder if you can actually guide me. I wonder if I could be receptive to the nudges that you are giving to me. Would you allow the Spirit of God to, um, to wonder with you today about what he can do? And would you be receptive to his voice? Would you take the initiative to share the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit and leave the results up to God? That's the, the crew definition. And we're going to have a chance to ask wondering questions as we do as four o'clock today. Um, we're going to be doing stories of race and identity. Um, and Grant, you can put that link um, or one of you can put that link over the, uh, over the chat. And it's a time for us to listen and also to wonder to each other about a time when we realized we were a particular race or ethnicity. Okay, and we're gonna share that in smaller groups um, over Zoom. And so I'd encourage you to begin practicing having, asking these wondering questions to listen, um, but it begins by wondering what the Spirit of God can do. And my prayer is that you would ask that question, you'd be receptive to hear him. Let's pray together. Father God, we live in a challenging time. And yet I wonder for first century Christians, adversity, natural disaster, um, and the things that we're experiencing, they, this may have been something they were a little more accustomed to. The, the fact of not being in control may have been something they were accustomed to. And so Lord, would you, would you teach us how to surrender control in this time? Would you work in us to be receptive to your spirit, to wonder aloud how he can speak to us 
and nudge us towards the unexpected, to nudge us towards people, to allow us freedom to wonder and ask questions of those around us. And Lord, in doing so, would you reveal the mystery of who you are? Would you reveal your plan of salvation and redemption for humanity? Would you reveal it even today when, that, when the execution of that plan seems so far off because of fires, because of pandemic, because of job loss? Lord, we trust you. We pray this in your name. Amen.